Mark chapter 5 is our reading for today. Um, It's a fairly simple chapter um, recounting some of the healing ministry of Jesus. But there are a couple of things that are noteworthy here. So let's think about just a couple of things here today. Uh, One, again, a theme that we see again and again in the Gospels is the limitless power of Jesus. The limitless power of Jesus. One observation that I saw running throughout this chapter is an emphasis on Jesus being able to do things where there seemed to be absolutely no way of them being done. Think about this with me. As the chapter begins, Jesus has an encounter with a demon-possessed man. But how does Mark describe him? In verse 3, he makes sure to mention that, quote, no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Again, in the very next verse, he reiterates in verse 4, no one had the strength to subdue him. So Mark is clearly painting a picture of impossibility from a human perspective. And yet the demon-possessed man, in verse 6, crumbled at Jesus' feet. And Jesus ordered the demons to flee and the man be restored to perfect health, in verses 13 and 15. So what seemed impossible to, to ordinary man was not for Jesus. Fast forward to the next account where we find a woman with an ailment from which she had suffered from, uh, for 12 years in verse 25. Now, in Mark's presentation and description of her situation, not only does he comment on the length of time she had suffered, suffered from her ailment, but also the apparently incurable and terminal nature of her ailment. Mark feels compelled, compelled to note that she, quote, had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Verse 26. No doctor could alleviate her condition. No, matter, no amount of money could buy the cure. This woman, with a seemingly impossible problem, approached Jesus and, in verse 27, touched his garment. At that very moment, power went out from the Lord, verse 30, and immediately uh, healed and accomplished what no doctors uh, or lifetime of savings could do. Jesus, again, performed the impossible. Fast forward one more time to the final story in this chapter pertaining to Jairus and his daughter. When we first encounter Jairus in this chapter and hear him describe his daughter, it is clear that she is sick but still alive in verse 23. He, at first, desires that Jesus heal his daughter so that she doesn't die. Well, as the story proceeds, as you know, if you've already read it, and I hope you have, somebody came from Jairus' house to say that his daughter had, in fact, died. So the situation in which it seemed bleak at first now seemed impossibly dire. This is no longer a matter of healing the sick, but of raising the dead. Everyone gathered at the house knew that she was dead, verse 38, even laughing at Jesus for his suggestion uh, that she would live again, verse 40. And we talked about, back in Matthew, about them laughing at Jesus. But despite their doubts, Jesus urged them to believe in verse 36. And sure enough, at the sound of his command, life returned to the girl, and she immediately immediately rose, began walking, and even eating, verses 42 and 23. So clearly, the lesson for us to take away from these accounts, since it's one right after another after another, is to understand that nothing, absolutely nothing, is impossible for the Lord. It may seem so to us, but the events of these chapters should teach us 
that appearances to us are not always the final or even the most accurate indicator of what is possible to the Lord. If anything is motivation for us um, to walk by faith and not by sight, this is surely it. But the second and final thing I want us to notice in this chapter is begging Jesus. Begging Jesus. After I read through this chapter a couple of times, I noticed an, an idea that kept appearing over and over again. It's the notion of begging Jesus to do something. It's the uh, Greek word parakaleo, which means, or most often translated here, begged. Uh, though once in verse 23 it's translated implored. Um, I did a little research and I found that Mark uses the word parakaleo nine times in the whole book. And five of those are in this chapter alone. So it seems to me Mark may be trying to draw our attention to that word here in chapter 5. So when I looked at all the times this word was used in this chapter, I found one that seemed, to me at least, quite out of place. We're told in verse 17 that they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Now, earlier in the chapter, we see the, the legion of demons begging Jesus to leave them alone, verses 7 through 12. That's understandable. What, what demon wants to encounter the Lord. But every time, every other time this word is used of humans in this chapter and also in the rest of the Gospel of Mark, people are begging Jesus to come and help them, not to leave. And that's precisely the contrast I believe Jesus, Mark is intending to make in this chapter. There's a stark contrast between the townspeople begging Jesus to leave in verse 17 and uh, the man who who had been possessed with demons begging Jesus to stay, verse 18, and Jairus imploring or begging Jesus to come with him, verse 23. So what can you say about this contrast? I just think it's a matter of perspectives. Jairus, who as one of the rulers of the synagogue surely knew something of the Messiah, had complete faith in Jesus' abilities. He knew he needed help. And he knew Jesus could help. His faith drove him to Jesus. In a similar way, the man who had been possessed with demons had just experienced the liberating power of Jesus and thus begged him to stay. He needed help, and Jesus helped him. By stark contrast, the townspeople where the demons had been cast out had a different perspective on Jesus. They didn't have a mindset on understanding who Jesus was, nor did they rejoice over seeing the formerly demon-possessed man now in his right mind, verse 15. It specifically tells us in verse 15, they were afraid of Jesus. I also have no doubt that some may have been offended at the economic loss of their herd of pigs that drowned. <laughs> in other words, Jesus had unsettled the way of life. They understood, and Jesus had upset the apple cart, so to speak. They had not asked Jesus to come in the first place, as would Jairus, and thus they were blind to the gracious wonder of the power of Jesus to heal and set free. I don't believe it is merely coincidental that the demons begged Jesus to let them stay in the region while the people begged Jesus to leave the region. And I just pray like we would be like those who beg Jesus to come and stay and work in power among us. If it upsets the ordinary and expected flow of our way of life, it probably needs to be upset. So thank God that when Jesus does move among us, we have seen that he can do the impossible. And that's a good word from Mark chapter 5.